Hey friends, it's Jana and Ashley. Welcome back to season four of the Geek Girls Universe podcast, your home for the latest entertainment and fandom news. Hey friends, it's Jana. Welcome back to the Geek Girls Universe. Today we had a great time chatting with John Francis Daly, Jonathan Goldstein, and Jeremy Leacham to celebrate the in-home release of Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Dungeons and Dragons is now available on demand and on digital, and it's coming to 4K, Blu-ray, and DVD on May 30th. Before you get started, if you're new here or you haven't already, we would love it if you subscribed and left us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening from. It helps our podcast reach other geeks, and the more the geekier, right? We also have a Facebook group, Geek Girls Universe. You don't have to be a girl to join, only a geek. A charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers undertake an epic heist to retrieve a lost relic, but things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people in this hilarious and action-packed adventure. So proud of myself. Oh my God, you learned how to read. I know, my God, I feel so accomplished. It's like I'm in fifth grade. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Judy Bloom would be so proud of you. Yeah, she really, truly would. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This was such a fun movie. And I was so excited we got to interview the directors and the producer because, I mean, can we just talk about nerding out a little bit with these guys? Oh, yeah. They were super fun. You know, you're the DD like player. We kind of mentioned this when we uh, shared our interview with Sophia and Justice, but I'm not. So I totally had to be like, yep, I, I confess it's me. It's me. <laughs> The one not playing D&D, it's me. (laughs) I actually really wanted you to sing, sing that, not just like kind of chant it. Uh, If I wasn't getting over a sinus, like nasty, maybe, maybe you could convince me, but not not on this day. (laughs) It's me. I don't play D&D. It's me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I had to do it for you because I felt like the opportunity couldn't be lost. (laughs) Well, that's fair. So, yeah. No, they were they were a lot of fun. Um, we geeked out about some deleted scenes, Easter eggs. Uh, I, I they they said that the deleted scenes have some Easter eggs in it. That D and D like D and D people, those are your Easter eggs. Yeah, so excited about them. I'm gonna be so excited about that. I can't wait. You, there's <laughs> one actually. I don't know if he was sure if it was in there, but if it is in there, it's like a six minute long of what the alternate ending to the movie. <gasps> No, and, stop it. That's so exciting. Yeah. So, and it's got loads of Easter eggs, apparently, if you're a Dungeons Ooh. and Dragons player. So I'm excited. Uh, we'll I, be on the lookout for that. Do I really have to wait till May 30th? That's so rude. That's like almost a whole month. I mean, now. I'm literally hoping they send us a digital code ahead of time. Legit. But yeah, anyways. Hi, Paramount. Where are you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm also super excited about the gag reel because I love stuff like that. And this cast in particular had to have like so many moments where they just could not keep there together. Oh, my goodness. For sure. Well, we chatted a little bit about. Um, so the two directors were both D&D fans over the years, like they've played on and off. Jeremy, however, the producer had never played. Like he really wasn't familiar. He grew up in a place where it just wasn't a thing. Um, 
and surprisingly really wasn't much of a nerd, he confessed, which I thought was kind of amazing given the things that he writes on and produces these days. I was like actually mind blown. He was kind of like, yeah, I played Nintendo and that was about it. And I was like, wait, hold please. Like, sorry, what have you done in your career? And you were not like a nerd. I was like, it was actually shocking and mind blowing in that sense, because you're like, how does somebody do that kind of work and do it so well and not be not have that just kind of ingrained in their personality from not be us age. you mean not be us who's like Stop what, <laughs> what do you exactly. need what have do you need not... explained to you oh my exactly. god this is have my thing live and breathe this exactly exactly so it was just that was kind of a really fascinating conversation with them um plus they were just fun you know like the things that they were excited about or, you know, not as not, not that they weren't excited about everything, but you know what I mean? Like the things they were excited about and the things that they wanted to share. And definitely you won't see it here because we only do audio on the podcast, but if you do go to our channels, you will see the YouTube video portions, but you know, just the expression on their faces when they're chatting about some of these things. And you can tell like, they're definitely like nerdy, excited talking about some of the, aspects of the things that were brought to life. And, you know, even the things like related to practical set things that Jeremy was like, wow, watching this come to life and, you know, just creating this thing from scratch. And, you know, it just, it was really actually, it was just a very enlightening and exciting interview from that nerd aspect, which I loved. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Plus these guys, they're so cool. Like I, I enjoy their other, they did game night, the movie. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't watched that, it's definitely worth a watch and so like that was one of my things I had to know I'm like because I we might have talked about this for during the other interview this movie really felt like you were a watching a game being played while also feeling like you were playing the game with your friends so it was like it was was crazy and it sounds so weird so if you haven't seen it you ever like what is she talking about she's psychotic and she's having an aneurysm I'm not (laughs) <laughs> it's true no one would ever go think watch that, the actually. movie yeah well <laughs> maybe <laughs> lies for sure they're thinking about me but not you <laughs> no you're the one that is very like oh articulate and professional lies only an email <laughs> she is she's very 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 professional in her emails and I'm like oh smiley face exclamation point I'm a millennial lol (laughs) (laughs) so if you ever email us and it's a group email you'll know who's (laughs) responding to you based on punctuation usage hey fair she's not wrong (laughs) mine will be very formal (laughs) and professional and Ashes will be like awesome yay (laughs) so excited (laughs) yes which is You're ironically almost very different than the way we maybe present ourselves here because she is for sure the like, ma'am, stay on task. Let's run a tight ship. And I'm the like squirrel over here <laughs> doing all the other things. Well, somebody has to run the tight ship on here. Otherwise we would like <laughs> run aground. I was going to say derail, but I was like, that's not the right analogy. <laughs> run aground somewhere very quickly. <laughs> somebody has to be it's the adult so sometimes okay we we usually take turns about it's who true. has to be the we, adults we truly do someday so. somebody wears the responsibility hat and other days somebody else wears it it's just how we work and it's how that's actually how we work so well together 
So this is probably why we like this movie because they kind of all take turns being the responsible one. They actually do, don't they? They really do. They do. So I feel like we can vibe with it. That's why we like it so mm-hmm. much. It's true. So true. Along with the like game night feel, right? Hanging out with your friends. Yes. On an adventure, yes. doing cool things, conquering the world. <laughs> yes. I totally do that every game night. What are you talking about? You conquer the world? Absolutely. <laughs> I do. Come on, Pinky. <laughs> <laughs> I will confess, I, I was not a D&D player. I, I mean, I knew about it, right? It's in popular culture everywhere, but I just never played the game. But this movie made me want to play the game. It made me excited for it and like actually wanted to like try to find a group around here, which I haven't yet. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> but I think part of it is because you guys really captured what it feels like to have a game night with your best friends. So what is your secret? Like, how did you pull that off? We just love uh, things about game nights. It's just yeah, right. <laughs> a real, there's a real pattern with us. Um, I mean, I think what what is so unique about Dungeons and Dragons is also what makes it so fun, which is that uh, sense of whimsy, that sense of humor. Our characters are very much relatable, and while they are in this sort of semi-medieval fantasy setting, they are contemporary in how they talk to each other and deal with the world. And that allows for this loose sort of storytelling where when they're, when they're interacting, um, they're having fun. And I think that kind of shines through and makes it feel unique. You feel like you're part of the, the, the group. Yeah, I said that in my review, like when I walked out of the theater, I was like, it feels like I'm watching a game being played, but also sitting at home with the game night with my friends. And I was like, it's really weird, but you'll get it when you watch the movie. <laughs> Were you nervous at all about how D&D fans would respond to this? Yeah, I mean, it's always pressure that goes with anything that's this beloved by so many people. Um, you know, we did Spider-Man Homecoming with Jeremy before this, and that carries with it a certain, you know, similar pressure. But what we learned from that experience was you just have to believe in the movie you're making. And, and if you do it right and you embrace the material um, and you, you have affection for it, that'll come across in the film you make and the fans will, will follow. At least that's what we hope. I have, I, have this, I have this saying that I always get made fun of for, but I'm like, if it's good, it'll be good. And it's like really stupid and, and not actually that illustrative, but it really is a truth as well. Like if, as long as we make it good, like people will, will, will like it, you know, like if, as long as it's good, everything's gonna be okay. Like the main <laughs> thing is to make something good and it'll all be fine after that. And that's easier said than done in Hollywood. But I really do think that these guys were dedicated to making something good from the outset. And so I was never that worried about the fan reaction because I, I felt the movie was good and it worked at, for people. And if you see it, if you take the time to see the film, you'll have a good time. And and that's kind of like the, the baseline of like, it's good. Okay, so we'll be okay. Because it's, it's definitely yeah. good. Jeremy said that a lot on set. We sometimes we'd be like, how are we going to make our day? How can we shave like five million off of the budget? He said, if it's good, it's good, which didn't really help in any way. <laughs> Not at all. No, but it was a cool mantra. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, you're not helpful, but thanks. <laughs> yeah. You're optimistic, so we'll take that. Jeremy, Jeremy, one of, actors, all the time. one of our actors isn't available for this whole week where we need them. If it's good, it's good. Cool. <laughs> Yep. Great, Jeremy. Thank you. I love that. 
All right, so the in-home release is going to feature all kinds of great stuff, including deleted scenes. Were there any that you had to cut that we're going to be able to see now that kind of made you the most bummed and that you're most excited for fans to watch now? Um, well, there was there was an alternate ending thing that we loved in theory. It was basically, can I give it away? Does it matter? Um, the, the, why don't we come back to the cemetery where one of our corpses was left alive and he's still listing off his favorite books. And we shot six minutes of him listing off crazy D&D like book titles. Um, and the credits would roll while he's doing that. That was one of our favorites. We, when, we, when we tried it, we started to realize, all right, it's too, it doesn't quite work, but it's very funny. And yeah. the fact that it goes on for six minutes, I think people will appreciate it's a lot of Easter eggs in that. Yeah, thing. it's almost trolling the audience with that. <laughs> Six minute clip. Um, the, uh, there was something that I don't know if it is actually in the deleted scenes, but I was bummed to cut it. Was a line where Thembershot's trying to fly up to the seesaw that our characters are running across to get away, and you get that big wide shot of it flapping its wings, but not really able to support its own weight. And we had Edgin say uh, he's like a chicken, and then when the when it gets hold of the seesaw and he starts sliding down toward its open maw. Edgen says, he's not like a chicken, which is so dumb and Scooby-Doo, but we knew it would have gotten a laugh and we were told to cut it because we needed to be a little bit more serious in that moment. You know, that moment where they're being chased by well, an dragon. Right. The other the other thing I missed probably most is in the early scene where um, uh, Edgen and oh, Walter yeah. are outside chopping ice. We had a whole, that scene continued to where he's like, you ever wonder why they make us chop all this ice? And then he's like, I'm going to ask. And he asked the guard and the guard tells him to shut up. And it just, it, to us, it felt like it really gave you the tone of the movie, but it did slow down the start. Yeah. It, it is sort of akin to in Monty Python when the peasants are sort of stacking mud inexplicably, but it just looks like busy work. It's almost like having them say, why are we stacking all this mud anyway? What are we doing? Yeah, I have a I have a weird relationship with deleted scenes because I always feel like deleted scenes themselves, like I always feel by the time I get to the end of the movie that we've made the best version of the film. And so they were all kind of cut mostly for a reason. I do miss I do miss the uh not like a chicken line, and I do miss the uh line that was in the trailer figuring over a drink. I that was a bummer that we cut that. But by the time I get to the end of the movie, I always feel like, yeah, we cut the right scenes out and I, I don't like looking at deleted scenes that much. But the thing I'm always nostalgic for are the sequences that got cut before they were scenes, you know, that like got cut in development and uh, and, and like never quite made it to the screen for whatever reason. And one of those that I really miss that we never even storyboarded. I think the guys wrote one version of it. It was hilarious to me. It was just obviously going to be too expensive and silly to do was at the beginning of the film when they're stealing the horses, there used to be a turtle, which is like this like upright, large Turtle man, turtle, like a, a turtle man, kind of like Jonathan the Birdman, and he was chasing after them, but he's slow like a turtle, and it was just this very cinematic slow speed chase uh, for horses, and it was it was incredibly dumb and really funny, and uh, I was sad that that never got shot. I, I wish we would have shot the turtle chase. We could do a whole uh, podcast on the things we would like to put in the movie, but couldn't. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Guess. Like that's now I want to see a turtle like, man. <laughs> yeah, the turtle man was awesome. Did we ever redraw him? I don't think so. We didn't even get it drawn, but you can Google yeah. toward. They uh, look. He'll be, in, he'll be in Teenage awesome. Ninja Turtles. Got it. <laughs> we should. What about Teenage Ninja Turtles? We said it in the D and D world. I'll pair him out. 
Let me call him. Good idea. <laughs> I had the chance to ask Justice and Sophia this question before the movie came out. So I'm going to put it to you three. You're playing D&D. Who is your character? What are their powers? And if you're like Sophia, do they have some kind of insane, crazy backstory? Um, let me think. I mean, yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to play Edgar. I, I I love him. I'm just playing Edgar. So I, I'll I take that one off the table while these guys think. Word for word. Yeah, no good answer for you. Uh -huh. Word for word, Edgar. Yeah. Uh, I would like to be uh, Chancellor Anderton just because he's, he's the guy in the beginning and the absolution counts. He's very, a bit portly and he uh, is very sort of pompous. And I feel like he has a good life back home. You know, he's probably got a very comfortable setup. I don't know what, he, I guess he's just a human. I don't know what he is. Um, I would be Marleman, probably the halfling that uh, Holgo was married to. Seems like he's got a really good life. He's got he's got it figured out. All right, that's fair. Before I'm gone out of here, I I just need to know: Can we have another one of these movies, and how can we all work together to make that happen? Because I really love this one. Thank you. Very nice of you. Uh, uh, yeah, it's still too soon to say, honestly. Yeah, it's not really um, up to us to decide, but certainly a lot of you know potential for other other stories to tell and characters to explore and worlds to discover. I think it's the sort of thing where I think this movie, especially once it's on home video and people are watching at home, I think it's going to be this thing that people just live with, you know, that it'll be on while you're doing the laundry because it's just like, you want to hang out with the film. It's nice. You want to spend time with it. And uh, so I'm excited for it to become kind of one of those movies that people just have on all the time in their lives. Um, and if that happens, I think that it, it, you know, it makes it really easy to have an argument for like wanting to make it up one of these. I think it'd be really fun to, to dive in again. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the best thing about a, a second movie would be not having to convince people that it's going to be good and that it isn't terrible because I think that was one of the challenges with uh, the first Dungeons and Dragons film, um, just because of the title and I think the preconceptions that come with it. One of the things that I loved about this film is how accessible it is to anybody, like not just, you know, D&D fans or people who play the game, but like the fact like so my um, podcast co-host who you guys will chat with in a little bit uh, is actually a noob to the world of D&D like this isn't her realm at all and she loved the movie. So one of the things that you know we really loved is that that fact that anybody can enjoy it. What was the decision behind that? Like, obviously, it has to be accessible for everybody as a whole to be consumed, but it felt like there was so much thought into how that played out, right? Like there's the eggs, there's the iconic monsters, but like, yeah, the script as a whole just really brings that kind of game night feeling in addition to the fact that like, it's clear people who like the game worked mm -hmm. on it. Right, right. Well, I think it was exactly that it was it required a lot of time and and uh, thinking in how we can depict this world in a way that doesn't alienate people that aren't familiar with it, but also feel true to the people that are. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately it's it's all about the storytelling. And as long as you're telling a story that's relatable with characters that you can get behind um, there's a way to introduce all of these new ideas without it um, overwhelming people that aren't necessarily in the know. 
were all of you fans of Dungeons and Dragons before you worked on this film? Any of you? All of you? Some of you? I, <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was an avid player for about three years before we started working on it. I, I played as a kid and then picked it back up as an adult and loved it. And it was that spirit, I think, of, of gameplay and constantly kind of pivoting and, and working on your toes that felt like a really great entry point to uh, a way to tell the story. And, and that's kind of why, one of the reasons why we, we were so drawn to it, because it felt like a, a unique and fun way into a, a, a thing that you think you've seen before, but ultimately haven't really. And I played as a kid um, and the, you know, the freedom of creating the game as you went along was so unique at that time it's still kind of unique um and i remember just it inspiring me as a creative kid that there's this whole world that you could dive into and when it came back our way in the form of a potential film it really seemed like that opportunity to you know take take our sensibility of the kind of movies we had done before but elevate it to a whole new level of sort of you know scope and i had i had never played i had not been allowed to play as a kid um, I grew up in Oklahoma in the 80s, and, and you can imagine there was like a lot of uh, discussion about D&D back then as being <laughs> something that you didn't play with. But I also like natively just was not like a, which is weird based on my filmography, but I was not like natively like a, a, a nerd. Like I didn't grow up with like comic books. I didn't grow up with d and I grew up playing Nintendo and like playing outdoors. And um, so it was weird to me to be doing a D&D movie, but in the same way that it was weird to me to be doing an Iron Man movie or a Guardians movie or a Spider-Man movie. Like I hadn't grown up with any of it. And it puts you in a different spot, which is like, you have to do the homework. You have to really be intentional and get into like figuring out what makes the fandom work and what makes the mechanics of the fandom like kind of go along and what makes them excited. But you also have this outsider perspective of like, I don't understand that. I need this to be explained to me in a way that I can grasp. And it's like that, like this new eyed, open eyed kind of experience that you come into it with that I think helps make the thing accessible because I always was, you know, very insistent in my Marvel days. And here, like, I don't understand that. I want to understand that better or else, like, I don't know why that's in the movie. And it takes a lot of things that like are for are givens, like Tony Stark should be an alcoholic for sure. And he should only drink <laughs> booze all the time. And you're like, I don't know if I like that. Uh, can can we make him like not an alcoholic all the time? And it's the same thing here. It's like hey, I don't understand that. This is whiskey. This is whiskey and sunshine, Jeremy. <laughs> alcoholism. Listen, I mean, it's not about alcoholism. It's about the things you enjoy in life. <laughs> yeah, fair. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, but, you know. so I, I did bring an outside perspective to it a little bit because um, I had not grown up natively with it. Um, but it's an awesome world. So. For those of you that played or then Jeremy, you know, now that you are sort of, you know, indoctrinated into this world of Dungeons and Dragons, if you, you know, played in high school or college and, you know, or play now, are there, did you have a type of character class or race that you typically played or do you have one that you would play now based on having brought this film to life and brought some of these um, characters and monsters to the big screen? Well, as a kid, I think I traditionally was a fighter just because, you know, like a 10 year old, you just want to be strong and beat people up. That seemed cool. Now that having made the movie, I think Bard is probably more my speed because you know, <laughs> making movies is very much motivating large groups of people to do something seemingly impossible. 
for for me, I always played as a, a paladin, uh, just because they have a lot of abilities. Uh, they're great fighters, but also have magic uh, that they can wield. Um, but I think now I would want to be a sorcerer, probably just because I love Simon's character so much. And magic is such a, a fun skill to, to be able to, to play with in, in D&D. Even if it doesn't solve everything? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> got that. You got that. <laughs> I, I think I think I have to I think I have to second Jonathan on the bard thing. I think that it's just like naturally in our line of work in this crazy world of making movies that like you find yourself just trying to get by on charisma and begging people to do things and being excited and always wanting to tell a story and I don't know. There's everything about Edgen is what I love. Like he's just he's my he's my guy. I'm not a huge, huge D&D fan, but I definitely played some in high school and college and spent probably far too many hours not studying and, you know, doing nerdy things like that. But for sure, you know, they're the iconic monsters that are in the film. And um, are there some of those monsters that were your favorites or maybe lesser favorites that you brought to the big screen in terms of like those practical sets and being able to implement them and how they just turned out like did you do you have one that you just absolutely loved how it you know turned out yeah um uh this isn't necessarily a monster but just uh the dragonborn um yeah. was was such a, an amazing feat uh by the geniuses over at legacy effects uh, because they implemented kind of old school prosthetic work with cutting edge um, technology like motion capture and being able to get the facial movements uh, to, to look so convincing. And I think just the fact that they were able to do that and practice and get it so that it looked so incredible in such a short amount of time was really impressive to me. And that's why I have a soft spot in my heart for the dragon. I would say, I mean, the owl bear really exceeded our expectations. Um, we we decided early on in the development of it to give it a, a snowy owl look as opposed to the usual kind of grizzly bear mm -hmm. approach. And it really kind of made it that much more beautiful of a thing. And then um, ILM just, uh, it was ILM, right? I forget which mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. ILM, ILM. Did, did such an amazing job with that one. Um, it really felt like it was there with them, um, and then and then the lesser known one that I that I got a kick out of was the intellect devourers in the movie, yes. um, <laughs> which we joke about is like a joke that cost a million dollars, you know, because it really you could you could lift it out of the movie and it doesn't really advance the plot, but it makes us laugh. So, well, I, and uh, for nerds, I, you're like, yes, right. I continue to be obsessed with Thimbershad. Uh, from the first time I read the script, I thought he was so funny. It was a bit of a fight to get there with everybody because people were concerned that we were making, you know, too silly of a dragon and it's not going to be menacing and all these questions that people had. And I just kept looking at the reference footage of this really uh, overweight uh, uh, weenie dog that we had sent uh, to NBC as reference. And it was just this little pudgy dog with its belly rubbing on the ground as it waddled along in a life jacket for some reason i actually watched it yesterday again uh i was talking to somebody and i pulled it up and uh it's just so delightful and i was like i want that to be the centerpiece of a giant summer movie uh this silly fat dog uh as a dragon and it was just so fun to put that together 
And I just love him. I love how chunky he is. I love how the internet has embraced the word chunky. I had not heard that word before. And it makes me delighted every time I read about it. And the fan art that people have done is so great for it that I know it's like connected with people on a large scale. So it's, it's really fun. I, that's my, that's mine. Easter eggs are one of my favorite things in films ever. Um, do you each have a favorite Easter egg that you guys were able to include in this film? Uh, the little, little rust monsters were, were pretty cool. Baby rust yeah. monsters you see in one shot. That was a fun one. Uh, I, just the fact that all of the, the Thoras, the, all of the writing in the, in the film, you could translate and it all makes sense, I think is, is really cool and allows for a lot of rewatchability because of it. Uh, the painstaking effect we went to with the uh, set decoration team to make all the coins the right shapes. Uh, nobody wanted to make non-round, wanted to make anything but round coins because you can buy those en masse from, you know, Amazon and stick them in places. And I was like, yes, but the coins in this world aren't round. They have these weird shapes and we have to make the right coins. And it was so silly that we, you know, you, I don't think it's ever a close-up of one. Um, there's like a medium shot of them as they're falling out of the, uh, out of the uh, uh, hot air balloon but there's never really a close-up of one. And that was a tremendous amount of work that went into those. So that yeah. makes me delighted. There were a lot of those coins stolen by our crew over the course. There were of none left by the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we all know what people kept for props. Thank That's you a, yeah. so, so much for your time. Thank this you. was fun. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. It may end up being my favorite movie of the year. We will yes. see. I mean, the year is still early, mm -hmm. but I absolutely adored it. And I'm so glad that everybody can see it at home now. So thank you so much for your time. It was great. Like I said, you converted me into somebody who, awesome. wanted, who wants to play now. So I, yeah. all the fingers crossed and whatever roll dice I got to, <laughs> whatever I have to roll to make it happen. So thank you guys for your time. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Geek Girls Universe podcast. As always, if you have something to share with us, tag us on Twitter at Whiskey and Sunshine and at that Ashley Aaron. Until next time, geeks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for more geeky goodness.